open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, Imitators of God. We've, uh, you look at verse 1 there, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk. We've already looked at this. There's, when we look at walk, there's progress. And this speaks of spiritual growth. Often and pretty consistently through Scripture, when it talks about walk, it's talking about making progress. Specifically in our context here, we're walking love, walk as a light, and walk in wisdom. It's spiritual progress. You and I are to be growing spiritually and making progress as we grow in Christ. So it speaks of progress. You walk. It's personal. Uh, there's personal responsibility. I can't walk for you in your spiritual growth. You can't walk for me. I can challenge you. I can point out to Scripture where you need to be. You can challenge me and point out for, to Scripture where I need to be. But personally, it is a responsibility that you have to have and have to make that choice. Walk, progress, personal, you walk, and purpose to imitate God. So we, we have a purpose for why we're walking, is to imitate, imitate God. Again, intentional. So, so, so many times we live our lives like we're, we're not sure where we're going or what we're doing. But to live it intentionally is if you have nothing to aim at, you'll hit it every time. We have a goal to intentionally be imitators of God. So we want to imitate take God. So the question is, well, how can I imitate God? Well, last two Sundays we talked about walk in love. Uh, love there is, is self-sacrificing, caring, a commitment that shows itself by seeking the highest good for the one loved. Uh, as God, through Christ, loved the church, how, how did God, through Christ, love the church? He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He was absolutely self-sacrificingly committed to us. Also, if you notice in Ephesians chapter 5, later on in the chapter, it says, Husbands, love your wives. The husband's uh, self-sacrificing commitment to his, to his wife is an expression of the same love that Christ had for the church. So we're to walk in love. And we're not going to repeat, uh, preach that message again because it took two Sundays to do it. <laughs> anyway, I want to look today at walk as a light. Uh, chapter 5, verse 8. Verse 8, For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In, in Scripture, uh, particularly in the Gospel of John and then in the Epistles of John, he uses this constant contrast between light and darkness. In figure speaking, there's two aspects to light and two aspects to darkness. Uh, two aspects of light, well, there's intellectual and there's moral. Two aspects to darkness, intellectual and moral. Light intellectually speaks of truth. What is true? Darkness speaks of falsehood and ignorance. The darkness, uh, why when we tell a scary story, we, all said, we always say, in the deep and dark night? Well, that's evil. We always think of those, those are the times when uh, that, that bad things happen. Light, morally, talks about holiness, or you could say that which is good, the opposite of evil. Darkness is evil. Evil is like the liquor stars are moving. They are evil. Okay. But uh, good is like the Mitchells who make sure their child is here perfect attendance. It's good parents. Evil parents, good parents. Well, there's a constant contrast in Scripture, light and darkness. So we're to walk as a light. Well, that means intellectually, obviously. Uh, it's gonna, we're, we're to walk in truth. This is our guide. This is our playbook, if you want to put it that way. There's no circumstance, no situation we're going to face. There's no play that's going to be run that we cannot go to our playbook and find how it's to be run or what situation, how to respond to it. So we have truth. 
moral as holiness, and again, we talked about that last week in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, this is the will of God, your sanctification, your purity, that you would flee fornication and adultery. So what is the will, God's will morally is holiness, that we pursue it, that we have a passion for purity, we have a passion for holiness. So we talk about light and darkness, so this, that's a contrast throughout Scripture, uh, and, and that, figuratively speaking, is the same thing here as we look at uh, light and uh, darkness. Isaiah 5, verse 20, I believe, summarizes both of them up. and Because it, it's interesting, you look at it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who puts darkness for light and light for darkness. There are those who want to confuse you and mix up light and darkness. When the scripture tells us, as the challenge here is, is we're to walk as light. There, there, there should be no question about anybody in anyone's mind but what we're walking in. We're not walking in shadows. We're walking in light. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We're going to look at three things this morning. Look at conduct in verse 9 and 10, and then verse 11 to 13, your courage. First of all, your condition. You notice there in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Your condition. This is what you were and what you are. It's very important you understand what we were. Again, Paul's writing to Christians. Uh, there's a possibility that someone may have been reading this book that doesn't know Christ as personal Savior, but he's, he's writing to Christians, so he says, this is what you were, and this is what you are. What you were, for you were once darkness. The, the, this, this is past tense, by the way. In other words, what he's saying is this, this uh, condition no longer exists. It's past. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all, all uh, old things are passed away, and all things become new. This is past. This is a past condition. This is what you were. When you were without Christ, you were in darkness. This is what you were. For you were once darkness. Second thing I want you to notice about the darkness or what you were, uh, this is a condition characterized by sin. It's very, one of the nuances in, in, uh, about translation, importance that, of what I'm about to say here, is he didn't say you were not once of darkness, or he did not say you were once in darkness. He said you were darkness. You were characterized by darkness. Uh, the point is this. Uh, we were not victims of Satan's system, but we were contributors to it. A lot of times we like to say, well, I was just a, you know, I'm just a victim, or the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You were a contributor. You were in darkness. You were darkness. You personified darkness. This is what you were, past tense. But what are you now? You are what? You are light, present tense. Present tense carries with the idea this is what you are, and it continues to be that way. You are what? You are light. Not like a light, of light, in light. You are light. What is the personify our life now? Not darkness, but what? Light. What is morally holy? What is intellectually true? You're in light. The point there. We are to habitually, present tense means habit, habitually conduct ourselves as children of light. How do you conduct yourself? Well, you ought to be, you ought to be 
walk as a light. You're a children of light. So your condition, what you were and what you are now. Your conduct, verse 9 and 10. Four marks of walking in the light. So, you know, if you say, Pastor Ken, I'm supposed to walk in light, so what does that mean? Well, go back to what Paul said. He's going to give us four marks. What, what is it, what's it like, what's it mean uh, to be walking in the light? So your conduct. Notice that uh, as you look at these verses, and I, I read these verses, I'm going to read them to you in a minute here, but you're going to find out there's two words that, that are repeated themselves. And oftentimes, remember in Scripture, when you see words that repeat themselves, it's there for emphasis. So listen as I read verse 9. Verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. This says the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, interestingly enough, it's, this is one of those uh, passages... Uh, it it's, depends on what translation you read. Uh, in our New King James, it says fruit of the Spirit. Uh, in your New American Standard Bible, it says, Bible, it says fruit of the light. Uh, which one is it? All I can say is in my Greek New Testament, and I know enough Greek to be dangerous, but in my Greek New Testament, it has the word fruit, not spirit, not pneuma, but it's fruit, the word for fruit. Uh, in context, it fits the, the picture here of fruit. The fruit, of course, is something that we produce. Uh, a, a date tree produces dates. An apple tea tree produces apples. If you as a believer walk in light, what is the fruit of your light? Or what is the fruit of walking in light? That's, that's the point I'm trying to make here. Well, goodness. Goodness is love in action. Moral and spiritual excellence of every description. This is the relationship we have with each other. If I'm going to walk in the light, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to treat you with loving kindness, with loving actions. I'm going to demonstrate my walk in light through goodness. The second thing he has there is righteousness. This is doing what is right. right and this is a profound statement. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Right is never wrong. And wrong is never right. Now, wasn't that profound? Very deep. It's common sense, isn't it? Righteousness in our, in our activity, our relationship with God and a relationship to God. We do that which is right. We walk in righteousness because we're walking as a light or walking in the light. Righteousness. Walking in a straight path, never deviating from it, never turning the right hand to the left. I'm always going to do right because it's the right thing to do. Truth. Truth is integrity, reliability, and trustworthy. That's what it's talking about here in this verse. This is our relationship to ourselves. And you say, why do you say that, Pastor Ken? Because integrity, reliability, trustworthiness, that's your character. Are you trustworthy? Are you reliable? Are you, are you a man? Are you a woman of integrity? See, integrity is who you are. Honesty is what you do. So when we talk about truth, which is integrity, reliability, trustworthiness, this is our relationship to ourselves. Listen, you know, you know. Are you trustworthy? You know. Now, I'm not talking what other people think you are, but what are you? You know. As you walk as a light, as you walk in the light, this is going to be, this is going to be part of your warp and woof. This is very, very uh, part of your tissue. Your tissue is going to be saturated with truth, integrity, reliability, trustworthiness. And then verse 10, growth. 
As you walk in the light, you know you're going to grow. This is, this is your attitudes and your actions. Our relationship to spiritual growth. When we talk about the progress, spiritual growth, as you walk, you grow spiritually, you're responsible to grow. Listen, are you, let's say, illustration, let's say you're, you're wrestling with anger. You know, you've been a Christian for a long time and you're wrestling with anger. If you're growing, you will wrestle with anger less today than you did yesterday. Why? Because you're making spiritual progress. You're growing. If you walk in the light, these are going to be the four marks of walking in the light. Goodness, righteousness, truth, and growth. Are you, are you growing? Just, just like you know what character you really have, you know whether you're growing or not. So evaluate not just your actions, which is that's the first thing we look at, but what are your attitudes? Remember, attitude is the direction you're pointed. That was the rockets as they were fired. What was their attitude of that rocket? That's the direction they were pointed. What is your attitude? What direction are you pointed, pointed to begin with? So spiritual growth, your conduct, those four marks. I was thinking of Joseph. As I was thinking, actually, of all four of these things, Genesis chapter 39, as he was uh, approached by Mrs. Potiphar, and he rejected her. She came to him day after day after day. He said, lie with me. And he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Until one day he left, she grabbed him, he left his cloak in her hand, he ran out the door. But even prior to that, this is what the master said about Joseph. His master saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper. Even though Mrs. Potiphar had said what she said and did what she did to Joseph, his life, his life demonstrated that the Spirit of God was upon him and everything he did prospered. Goodness, righteousness, truth, and growth. Well, he ended up in prison. Genesis chapter 39, verse 23, the prison keeper. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord uh, caused to prosper. Even the keeper of the prison where Joseph was saw that the hand of God was upon Joseph and whatever responsibilities he gave him to do, he, the Lord caused it to prosper. Goodness, righteousness, truth, and growth. Joseph just didn't wake up one day and, and decide that he was going to have a passion for purity. No, this was a way of life. This was something he habitually conducted himself, both his attitudes and his actions. His consistency of life. He followed through one step at a time. He was growing. These are the marks, I believe, of walking in the light. Your courage. Uh, your courage to take a stand. This is, the, this is where I wanted to talk about the two words. Expose and manifest. Look at verse 11 and through 13. You'll see these words repeated. And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is so shameful even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, and whatever makes manifest is light. Again, the words are, are repeated for emphasis. The word expose means to uncover, but it also means to confront. You see one, someone who is walking or living in sin. 
they're making wrong choices. Now, yes, go to them privately, go to them quietly, but, but you need to confront them about their sin. And as it says there in Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in, in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So, so the courage, the courage to uncover and to confront, just remember this. You could be there, there someday too. How would you want to be treated? But it doesn't mean it should stop you from treating them. Consider yourself also. Manifest means to reveal, to make visible. So, verse 11, he, 12 and 13. First of all, verse 11. No fellowship with works of darkness. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Or Mark chapter 4, verse 22. Now, this is very important because I, I think that sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time, we compartmentalize our sin. Uh, sometimes it's called the silo effect. In other words, we put it all in the silo and we unload it or un as we want to. But we're the one. I compartmentalize my sin. I keep it in the silo effect and it's secret to me. Mark chapter 4, verse 22. There is nothing hidden which will not be revealed. Nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to the light. There's a saying goes like this. That which is done in secret shall be brought into the light. God is going to use what he needs to use to get our attention. If he needs to expose our sinfulness to get us to change, he will do it. He doesn't want to do it, but he will do it. We, as we walk in light, have no fellowship with works of darkness. I was thinking of Psalm chapter 1. Uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He saturates himself in Scripture. No fellowship with works of darkness. Verse 12, no familiarity with words of darkness. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. John MacArthur makes this note. I think it's very appropriate, obviously why I wrote it down. Some things are so spiritually disgraceful and dangerous that they should be sealed off not only from direct contact, but even from conversation. They should be exposed only to the extent necessary to be rid of them. What things? Well, we can look back there in last week's message. For this is, you know, that fornicators, unclean persons, covetous men, who is an adulterer, has, inheritance in the kingdom of, uh, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let one know to see you with empty words. But because of these things, these are things... In our culture, we are bombarded. We are sat our culture particularly is saturated with um, violence, with uh, profanity, with pornography. Our, our, our culture is, you cannot go any place or be involved in anything, but you're not exposed to this. These things ought, to be, ought not to be part of our conversation. We so glibly and easily work them into our conversation because we use the excuse as part of our culture. Listen, we are in the light. We are light. Walk as a light. Let your, your life be marked by those things that mark the light of righteousness, goodness, and truth, and growth. These, these, there's no familiarity with words of darkness. We get 
it caught up many times in glibness or in uh, seeming to be, um, uh, be take part of a conversation. No familiarity with words of darkness. Verse 13, no friendship with workers of darkness. But all things that are, are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. No, no friendship with workers of darkness. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? There's another scripture there, I think it's in Proverbs, it talks about you will be known by your friends. No friendship with the workers of darkness. Now, let me say this, because sometimes this, people use this also as an excuse not to witness. Well, I can't be friends with people who are in darkness. John 17, when Christ was in the garden, he was praying for his disciples. He said, I have given them your word. The world has hated them because you are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. What was he praying? He said he's praying for our holiness. He's not praying for our separation from witnessing. He's praying for our separation from evil. He's praying for our separation from the evil one. But he said, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but as I sent, just like you sent me into the world, I send them in the world. Listen, we have a responsibility to witness to the lost in the world. But we also have a responsibility not to be just like them. No friendship with the workers of darkness. The last thing in there in verse 14 is, I thought was kind of interesting. It's, it's Paul, as he finishes this section here, it's almost like an invitation. Uh, and it's twofold, I believe. First of all, remember I said to you that Paul was writing to, I believe, uh, believers, the born-again people. But also, there is also that opportunity, as he sent these letters out to those churches, that there may have been uns unsaved individuals who came across these, picked them up, and read them. Uh, for instance, uh, you leave a tract on a table after a waitress has been there. You leave it with your tip, of course. We had some friends that left a track and uh, sent it in their bill. They paid for their Florida Power and Light. And, uh, you know, you have no idea who's going to pick that track up. It's still the Word of God. Isaiah 55, 11, it says, His Word will not return void. It will always accomplish its intended purpose. Witnessing. You may not be able to make any inroads with the individual that you're talking to about Christ, but always leave them with Scripture. Why? Because the scripture is going to make the difference. Listen, you and I cannot change people. Only God can do that, and what he's given us to use, the tool, is his word. You know, Spirit of God brings about lasting changes through the word of God. So we leave scripture. So, as individuals read this, as Paul offers a call for those in darkness to come to the light, to be saved, he says, verse 14, Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep, Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. It's an invitation to, the, to, to individuals who do not know Christ to be saved. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you have the light of life. Walk as a light.
but also I believe it's an invitation for those who are saved. It's a call to those who are saved to let their light shine. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. You who, you who are the light of the world, if you're here this morning, you know Christ, your personal Savior, you are the light of the world. You who are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You, you know that for yourself. If you've traveled at all, you're traveling at the night, in the night sky you see off in the distance, the, the, the sky seems to be lit up. And as you look closer, you see, well, there's all these lights. It's a, it's a city, and it's up on a hill. You can see it for miles. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to walk as light. We have a light. When we walk with a light, a candle into a dark room, we actually are dissipating. We are getting rid we are of the darkness. We are revealing. We are exposing. We are confronting darkness with our light. Are you, are you making any impact at all? Am I making any difference at all? And so he says in verse 14, and some believe this is actually taken from a hymn. I, you know, I, don't, I can't speak to that. I do not know uh, from a, an old-time hymn back in the biblical times. But he says, Awake, you who sleep. Wake up. Wake up. Arise from the dead. Get up. Christ will give you light. Light up. Wake up, get up, and light up. Let your light so shine. We have two things. We have an incredible opportunity. These, when I think of what's happening with our economy, when I think of the impact of evil that's in our culture, we have an opportunity to demonstrate the marks of walking in light. We have an incredible opportunity. Secondly, we have an incredible responsibility. Just like I uh, said to you, we have these, these little uh, business cards you can hand out to invite people to VBS. You know, you know at least five, five families with children, don't you? I dare say you know five people. You know five people that do not know Christ as their personal Savior. You know at least five. And the Lord is probably picking out one of them and laying them on your mind right now that you need to tell about Christ. Wake up, get up, and light up. We have an incredible opportunity and an incredible responsibility. Let's all stand. With heads bowed and eyes closed as we service in prayer here in a minute. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor Ken, uh, I, don't, I honestly do not know Christ as my personal Savior. I'm still in darkness, but I would like to have someone show me from the Scriptures how to be saved. Is there anyone like that? I'll be more than happy to talk to you after the service, privately, quietly, and not embarrass you. Is anyone? Secondly, say, Pastor Ken, pray for me. I, I need to wake up, I need to get up, and I need to light up. Is anyone like that? Any others? Father, I pray, Father, as we go forward into the, into the mission field itself, not only help us expose to reveal, but Lord, also to confront sin head-on, knowing that we are in Christ. We have hope. We know the difference. We have light that indeed we may let it shine for your glory and your praise. 
And I pray, Lord, that if there is an individual here that does not know Christ, their personal Savior, that even today uh, they may seek someone out to show them from Scripture how they can be saved. We pray now as, and thank you for the great opportunities that, that lie here ahead of us uh, this summer. Uh, we just pray, Lord, as we go forth, VBS uh, and think of camp and the Guatemala mission trip, uh, the men of faith, uh, the running the race. Again, Lord, these are all opportunities to help us to grow, to make personal change. But, Lord, I pray you help us to, again, uh, goodness, righteousness, truth, and growth, that the light will mark our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.